This is Dave Wager, hosting the program that you're listening to called Nighttime. We're thrilled that you're able to spend uh, the next half hour with us thinking about things that are important to think about. I hope you spend time daily not only reading God's Word, but thinking about it. And then going a step beyond thinking about it and applying it to your life. I was recently talking to a friend of mine who was a hunter for many, many years and is a very good hunter. He's got all the hunting stuff. I don't even know what all that stuff is because I just started hunting this year. We were talking about the Christian life and how it develops and how important it is for us to accept the fact that we're at a certain place within our Christian life and we need to keep moving forward in it. You know, as a hunter, he's somebody who has hunted all his life and is so advanced in hunting that I think he outthinks the deer. I'm brand new at it. I began hunting and I only had a black jacket to wear and it's cold during hunting season so I wore my black jacket hunting. One friend gave me the crossbow to use. My son-in-law and daughter gave me a camo jacket to wear. Because I guess you don't hunt in black. What's interesting is that nobody made fun of me. They realized that I was a hunter. My son-in-law's a hunter. The man I just referred to is a hunter. And we're all at different levels in hunting. I'm brand new at it, even though I'm 62 years old. It's amazing how many hunters have patted me on the back and have not made fun of my techniques or my lack of techniques, but rather offered ways that I could improve and ways that I need to think differently and ways to position myself to be successful one day. Now, if you saw us on the street and you asked me, are you a hunter? I would say yes. If you asked this gentleman I'm talking about, if he was a hunter, he would say yes. If you asked my son-in-law if he was a hunter, he would say yes. You still really don't have any idea as to the depth or ability of each of those people. They're just all hunters. If you were to ask me if I was a Christian, I would say yes. If you were to ask me or my son-in-law, if he was a Christian, he would say yes. If you were to ask this other gentleman if he was a Christian, he would say yes. Once again, I might suggest that you actually don't know what that means in great detail. But the learning lessons are something I want you to focus on. The idea of going out and working at becoming something that's useful in the area that you're working on. For example, when I go out hunting, I'm not playing the radio loud next to me. I'm not doing a bunch of things. This is different than picking berries in the woods. When I go picking blackberries or raspberries in the woods, I usually play something on my phone nice and loud because I happen to be in an area that the bears like to be in. 
Now, I am an experienced berry picker. So I know how to do that and come out of those places alive and well with lots of berries. I'm finding that's totally different when you hunt deer. You have to blend in with the environment. You need to be absolutely quiet. And if you're bow hunting like I am, you need to have the deer come pretty close. Our Christian life is such where we need to continue to understand the truths that God gives us in his word to operate successfully. The last program I was talking about a book I've written to help young men in particular learn how to get into God's word and rethink things and get in the habit of thinking through some issues. And I wrote a Beyond series that is available at Relate365.com. In each one of them, there's 21 different thoughts. These thoughts then have some blank lines behind them so that you can journal your thoughts. The only reason I, I put the thoughts down there was so that I could show how I wrestled with a passage of Scripture. So each chapter has a passage, then my thoughts, then some blank lines. I encourage you to do that yourself or go with it with, through, through the book with somebody. And here's what's um, interesting. The books are all labeled beyond something. And the book that I'm referring to today that we started in the last program was called Beyond the Deception, Learning to Defend the Truth. It's easy to be deceived because when Satan, who's the father of lies, lies, he's really good at it and he makes you believe what he said. You and I need to have a way where we can evaluate what he said so that we know if we believe truth or we believe a lie because it actually matters. Just believing something doesn't make it true and just believing something doesn't make it uh, something you should participate in. The Bible makes it clear that God is love. If you've ever thought anything else of him, you're wrong. And if you don't know what love is, then you don't know who God is. It also says that God is holy. Which means that he's unique and different. Different than everybody, everything that was ever created because he's the creator so the creator is always different than the created. The Bible calls him righteous, which means that he does things that are right 100% of the time. The Bible also calls him a judge. And rightfully so, because he is the only one that's in the right position to judge us. Because he actually knows what is right and what is wrong and he is not deceived and because I'm a child of his he has given me his Holy Spirit so that as I get in God's word I too can know the difference between right and wrong but I need to get into his word you've heard me say a lot that if you're disappointed in God you just don't know him if you're angry with God you don't know him If you ignore God, 
You're foolish and you don't know him. If today you were so busy doing things that you didn't have time to enjoy God, then you were too busy with things that don't matter. I want to continue talking about how Jude and Second Peter expose false teachers because that's a practice we need to have and we need to know. And when you read Jude and Second Peter, it's kind of like they had the same author. They say they're almost the same things. Oh, I guess they did. God authored it. And since he emphasizes it so, we need to be aware that in our lives there's going to be an attempt to move us away from truth. And if you didn't listen to the previous radio program or podcast, I encourage you to download it at Relate365.com because we talked in more detail of the importance of not being deceived and how all of us are. In Jude 1, 5-7, it says, this is the New Living Translation. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt. But later, he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. It's interesting. God said uh, through the book of Jude, I want to remind you. I remind you. And don't forget. It seems like he's talking to people who have a tendency to get obsessed or involved in things and forget some of the really important things. Certainly that puts me right as a target because I forget important things all the time for some reason. It seems like every year certain things sneak up on me and I haven't taken care of figuring out what I need to do with them yet. You know, you have to pay taxes every year. You have to, you know, pay insurance on a regular basis. I mean, all the things in life that you need to do, but sometimes you get preoccupied and wonder if you did something. We as people are easily distracted and we forget sometimes the most important things that we need to be involved in. So it's important that we're reminded. When somebody reminds you they're not your enemy, they're not saying anything but the obvious. You're human like everybody else and you can forget something. Jude is careful to show us that the false teachers among us are those who choose to forget that God is not one-dimensional. In fact, these false teachers often talk about a God who will forgive, a God who will show mercy, 
a God who will certainly understand our sin and who will be willing to forgive our sins. This is all true and should not be minimized. However, we need to recognize that God is also a God who judges. And this must be a part of our discussion as well. False teachers want to believe only what they find acceptable about God and want to ignore what they struggle with. Like it or not, the facts of the Bible are clear. God is love and desires all men to come to repentance. Those who do not come to repentance will die, having wasted their lives, and they will be punished in hell for eternity. Those who want to run from God will face the wrath of God. Those who choose to live self-centered, egotistical lives will pay the price. Many look at salvation as a ticket to heaven, but you could just as easily look at it as a way to escape the wrath of God. During my college days, I played defensive end for Wheaton College. On the field, I was focused on the game of football. Off the field, I was focused on my studies. In my junior year, I met a person who became a friend. After we had been friends for a while, this person told me that who I was was much different from what many thought of me. I was told that I had a reputation for being a wild man, a killer of sorts, a focused mean machine. Indeed, I probably was that way on the football field. But the football field was only one part of my life. I also volunteered many summers at youth camp, worked with eight-year-old boys at our local church, and volunteered to clean our church. I was an elementary education major and was constantly working in the local school systems. To know me, you really needed to know more of me than my Saturday afternoon football escapades. To know God, we need to see God's gracious and merciful side, as well as his judging, justice-dealing side. God will punish evil. He's not tolerant. God will send those who reject Christ to hell. God will, in the end, be exalted as God, and those who do not do that will wish they did. These truths must be balanced with the knowledge that God desires all men to experience mercy and invites them to salvation. I guess the question that we could ask ourselves is which of these characteristics do we actually focus on? And in focusing on those characteristics, do we exclude the others? And if so, why do we do that? False teachers tend to ignore some of the aspects of God. And they actually create a God that's of their own liking. So we need to be careful. As we listen to those who talk about God, if they never talk about justice and judgment and wrath, then they're not talking about the God of the scriptures. And yes, it is all balanced with mercy and grace and love. 
But these are all parts of who God is. Throughout this series on Beyond the Deception, I'm using the analogy of a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. I uh, don't like jigsaw puzzles. My pragmatic side tells me that if somebody took a picture and already had it together, why would they cut it apart, put it into a thousand pieces, throw it in a box and make me put it back together? I know those of you that like crossword, I mean, uh, jigsaw puzzles, um, you can still do that. That's probably a great wholesome activity. I just don't like them. However, I once realized that life is like a jigsaw puzzle. It's not that I don't like life, I just don't like the fact that I don't have the complete picture yet. The only one that has the complete picture in life is God. In, in a sense, he's got the cover of my life in front of him, and I've never seen the cover. And he dispenses me one little piece at a time. Eventually, all the pieces will fit, and they'll make a picture that God designed. Unfortunately, maybe for me right now, is that I don't have all the pieces and I don't know how they all fit. And even if I had them all at this point, I'm not sure I would know how they all fit. But I do know that they all fit. God is not random and he has never been random and he hasn't started being random right now. So as I go through the Beyond the Deception book. Each chapter really ends with a, another piece of the truth puzzle that we need to put together. If you were with me last program, the piece of the truth puzzle was this. Freedom comes from obedience. Obedience comes from the fear of God, and the fear of God comes from knowing God. If you know that, that's the first piece of the puzzle. Here's another piece of the truth puzzle, if you want to put it in that analogy. God is love and will judge, punish, reward, and rule the universe in the context of true love. It's the way it is. If you understand those two things, then you're beginning to move beyond the deception that so encapsulates so many of us. I know you could be thinking, Dave, you think you know everything, that you're not being deceived if you think I've said that. I have not. In fact, I would be the very first to admit that I could very easily be deceived because I am human. And being human opens me up to a plethora of effects that are caused by my sin and by other people who sin. And part of that is positioning ourselves so that whatever we believe, we make a new truth out of it rather than challenging what we believe with truth. 
The third thought in the book Beyond the Deception is this. I start with just a thought in general that says, God is God. I am Dave. This actually means something. Jude 1, verse 8. The New Living Translation. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. In parentheses, it says, This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. Verse 10, but these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them. And so they are being about their own destruction. I, once, I, I was once asked to speak to several pastors, many whom no longer use the Bible as their foundation for their messages. Instead, because of time constraints. They relied on their dreams. In a strange way, they thought that this made them the final authority on scriptural matters. They believed that their dreams were from God and that anything they dreamed would certainly be worthy of teaching to others. Satan is alive and well and fears only one thing, the Word of God. It is with the Word of God that Satan is defeated. Satan cannot stand against what God says. Though I may speak and think as cleverly and powerfully as I possibly can, Satan can outtalk me and outthink me every time. If God says something, Satan's helpless, defeated rendered powerless. Satan will do whatever it takes to make sure that people are not in God's Word. He knows that God's Word alone will expose the satanic methods and that it is God's Word that will give power to the powerless. There are some today who minimize the enemy to the enemy's delight. Because they do not understand how Satan works, they decide that they have figured out how he must work, and they live their lives in the arena of their understanding rather than in the arena of truth. They begin to scoff at those who cling to truth, calling them narrow-minded, legalistic, and even fundamentalists. What they're really doing is exalting their minds, their thinking, and their way of life. They're really saying, if I do not understand it, it cannot be. And thereby, they seek to reduce God and the unseen realm to what they find understandable. Those who live by their own understanding are false teachers. For we're told much that goes way beyond our understanding. Those who live by their own understanding live their lives by instinct rather than by wisdom.
Instinct instructs us to satisfy our urges and justify our desires. Wisdom dictates prudence in actions, obedience over understanding, and faith over fear. God does not need you to understand his ways to be God or to be right. God need not justify anything to you or me to be right. God is God, and I am Dave. God is, and always has been. I once was not. God is the creator. I am the created. I need to act in the context of these realities, not in the context of my own understanding. I need God to help me to get to the point where my obedience is more important than my understanding. If I've worked with children for a while, I usually try and talk to them about how their understanding is limited. It's a very important principle or we fall prey to deception by believing that we are capable of understanding everything that goes on. The third piece of the puzzle, the truth puzzle that we're building in each of these programs is this. God has always been and will be forever. I once was not, but now will be forever. Real understanding must come from God, not from me. It is critical for those who live in the truth to realize that the common errors of believing something and the belief just making it true is wrong or that understanding something and understanding it makes it right is wrong. The children that I work with, I often um, ask them if they have to understand something in order for it to be true, and they always answer me, no. It's kind of a weird thing when you think about it. it it makes sense, but I don't understand it. In other words, when God created the world, he did that. He spoke words and he created the world. That makes sense to me when I look at the world and how it's created with purpose and all that kind of stuff. That makes sense to me. It doesn't mean I understand it. It just makes sense. It's like the car I drive. I know that somebody that knows what they're doing designed it. I know somebody that knows what they're doing figured out a way to build it and bring it to me and I get to step on the gas and turn the steering wheel. Certainly, it makes sense to me what they did. But I don't understand how they did it or how they came to their conclusions. The engineers of our society, the architects, they have a certain understanding that I don't have. Certainly, it's reasonable to me what they do and what they produce. I'll even use what they do and produce and trust the fact that they understand what they did. 
You see, in life, when we start trying to throw the understanding card around before it's truth, it doesn't make any sense because most of our life is spent not understanding the things that we use, and yet we use them readily and trust that those who did design them did so in a way that makes them useful to us. False teachers are, are really hard to find because they really know how to get into our heads and affirm everything that we believe. But that's one of the dangers of false teachers. They love to affirm, 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 affirm. And they're totally against the challenging part. And even make it so that when you challenge people rather than affirm them, that you're evil and you don't love. That's really not true. I do thank you once again for spending time with me tonight or this day, whatever time you listen. Nighttime is a production of Relate365.com. And we have studios here on the campus of silverbirchranch.org. And on this campus, we have something called Nicolay Bible Institute, a one-year college for college individuals. We encourage you to check it out. Good night.